welcome to Ed Leader with your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Join Dr. Jackson for conversations and reflections on improving educational leadership from the classroom to the boardroom and beyond. Educational leadership is an ever-evolving opportunity to make a real and lasting difference in the lives of students, parents, and the community. And now, here's your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Ed Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Jackson, and I want to thank you for spending time with me today. As we continue to grapple with the coronavirus pandemic, ed leaders are beginning to settle into this new world of work. Remote learning, meal service, and emergency child care are the order of the day. Even as we continue to settle in, we are looking to the future and imagining the impacts on education going forward. If you have not, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, or on the website, drrobjackson.com. You'll be the first to know when another great conversation with an amazing ed leader has arrived. Speaking of great conversations, let's get to it. Today I'm joined virtually by one of the longest tenured superintendents in the state of North Carolina, and the current North Carolina Superintendent of the Year. He has served as the superintendent of the Greene County School System for 12 years, a place where he grew up, attended school, and served as a teacher and principal prior to being named superintendent. He was recently selected as the Greene County Chamber of Commerce Citizen of the Year and leads a district that was selected as one of just 25 national models of innovative successful practices. An advisor to the North Carolina State Board of Education, He is a friend and mentor to many in the superintendency and a tremendous head leader. He is Dr. Patrick Miller. Hi, Patrick. Good morning. And I first want to say thank you so much for spending some time with me. I know that you are incredibly busy for our listeners outside the state and even outside the country. Dr. Miller represents the superintendents in the state of North Carolina as our state superintendent of the year. And so a part of that, congratulations, Patrick, you have a lot more meetings than the rest of us. (laughs) Absolutely. The gift that keeps on giving. Exactly. And probably more so than you could have ever imagined with all the meetings that you've had to have recently as you've helped advise some people who are making really big decisions that impact education. And so I, for one, certainly appreciate your presence there in those meetings and your advocacy for our local school districts and for educators across the state and certainly for our students. Well, Patrick, you serve as the superintendent in Greene County Schools. You are one of the longest serving superintendents in our state, somebody I respect and admire, but Certainly, I would think this was not something that you could have seen on the horizon or or really expected that we would be in, in terms of our mode of operation right now. Absolutely not. They don't teach this course in grad school. In 2011, Greene County Middle School was destroyed by a tornado. And at that time, I felt like my leadership had been taxed and challenged. 
to a level that I would never experience again. But I would have to say that this experience has at least approached that challenging level, if not surpassed it. But at least this time, we're all in it together and we can lean on our resources and our friends and colleagues and have more support as we try to navigate this challenging virus. Absolutely. You know, in educational leadership and leadership in general, we never know what's around the next bend. We just try our very best to be prepared and ready for whatever may happen. I know that Greene County Schools was selected as a national model of innovative, successful practices. And again, for our listeners outside of the state, Greene County Schools is a school system the rest of us turn to in terms of innovative practices. We've certainly emulated many of your practices right here in Edenton Chowan Schools. How did that help prepare your team, your staff, your, your leadership group? How did that help prepare for this time when innovation is exactly what we're all doing these days? Certainly. Thank you for that credit that you've so generously handed out to us. But I would say that necessity is the mother of all invention. Absolutely. And innovation often grows out of that. And it's not necessarily any credit to great thinking or whatever. Sometimes it's just born out of circumstance. Green County Schools has been one-to-one in grades 6 through 12 since 2003-2004 school year. Our folks are used to online and blended delivery of instruction, particularly, again, in grades 6 through 12. It's more of a challenge in kindergarten through fifth grade. But our folks, just like everywhere else, are adaptable, and I'm very, very proud of how quickly they adapted and changed their modality of instruction from our traditional face-to-face or blended to fully-owned remote learning. That's been nothing short of miraculous, and it hasn't just happened in Greene County. It's happened in Edenton, Chowan, and in the other districts across the state. And I'll have to say, couldn't be more proud of how our public schools have responded here in North Carolina. That's exactly right, and you're right on in terms of the response we've seen from public schools has been amazing. You know, in our state, the governor said on a Friday afternoon, we are not going to close schools. On Saturday afternoon, less than 20 24 hours. He had another press conference and said we're going to close schools for two weeks and since has closed it for a longer period through May 15th at this point. But Patrick, as superintendent, on that Saturday when the governor said we're going to close schools for two weeks and, and it could be longer than that, how did you approach that? What were the steps you took there in Greene County to get ready for that? We had actually anticipated a closure and had begun conversations the week before that Saturday with principals and with instructional coaches and central office directors and already had a plan in place to create packets just in case schools were closed. And by Monday morning, we were ready to distribute packets. And we had parents driving through, had drive-through lines set up at the schools to deliver those packets. Now at high schools, most of their assignments were delivered via the iPad since those students have those at home. But we definitely distributed paper packets in kindergarten through eighth grade. But I have to give credit to my team. They saw it coming, they planned, and they were ready. 
Well, absolutely. And, you know, it's a credit to your leadership and the leadership of your team and folks in Greene County that you were ready to roll out so quickly because you'd been reading the tea leaves and saw that as as a possibility. And I certainly think that that's something that's important for all ed leaders to bear in mind, regardless of the position we're in, whether that's as teacher, school administrator, central office administrator, superintendent, that we have to be forward thinking and prepared for what we may not expect. And we've really had two big initiatives that we've had to undertake, the first being academics. And you've talked about getting ready for that. And of course, it sounds like you were in a great place because of all the work that had gone on before in terms of your innovation with being a one-to-one district. We were also asked to do something that I don't know if many of us had really ever anticipated, and that was feed children when they're not in the buildings. How did you handle that in Greene County? We were ready for that as well. And what we did was open two schools as a drive-through for parents or whomever to drive through and pick up meals. But starting that Thursday, we, in consultation with our transportation department, identified 13 sites out in the county that have high pockets or high concentration of students uh, based on bus routes. And we sent buses out to those 13 places to deliver meals. And we've been serving about, on average, about 2,000 hot lunches and shelf-stable breakfasts per day, which is right at about 70% of our student population. So we're really proud of that. The effort has been well received by the community. Somebody put up a homemade sign that said, some heroes wear capes, others drive buses. Thank you, Greene County Schools. And you may have seen that out there on Twitter. And that really made my folks who are putting themselves out on the front lines every day for the kids, made them feel really, really good. Absolutely. The heroism really that we've seen from bus drivers and child nutrition employees and custodians and instructional assistants and even teachers and others who've really jumped in to help with that meal service has just been absolutely amazing. And as I think about that here in Edenton, we have a very similar process. We have two schools that are serving as pickup sites and then we're doing meal delivery via our yellow buses. One of the things that strikes me is something that you mentioned, which was our employees are putting themselves out there on the front lines to make sure that hungry children can eat. Right now, certainly it is a tough time in terms of all that's going on with those who are fighting the coronavirus and our heart go out to and our prayers go out to those families who may have lost loved ones during this time. At the same time, we are seeing heroic efforts from so many people throughout the community, but particularly from educators. And we're starting to see a lot of community appreciation for public schools. I know that you serve on a lot of statewide and and even boards with national reach. What kind of messaging are you hearing about public schools today and the work of public schools? What's the thought in the kind of the political world about how our public schools are doing right now? I think that the approval ratings, if you will, for public schools right now are perhaps at an all-time high and people have learned through the examples that we've discussed and others 
that the public schools are truly the hubs of the community. And I think it's not under the best of circumstances that this has occurred, but nevertheless, it has occurred. And hopefully policymakers and others will remember this if and when things ever return to normal. And I say normal while I do my air quotes. Air quotes. But anyway, I do think that we have an historic opportunity to capitalize on this public sentiment and hope that we are able to continue that down the road as we emerge on the other side of this pandemic. Absolutely. And, you know, as we think about what might be in terms of this new normal, and I'm doing the air quotes as well, what lessons do you think that we may have picked up or could pick up in terms of going forward? What ways might we be stronger for having gone through this time, Patrick? How do you see public schools evolving as a result of this? Or or what do you see as some of the things that might become part of the new normal for public schools and for ed leaders? Well, there's certainly going to be a lot of policy questions that will be raised as a result. For example, is seat time really necessary anymore? Or can we move to more competency-based or mastery-based instruction models? Can we move to blended models? Are we going to need to return to school from an eight o'clock to a three o'clock schedule like we have in the past. What's going to happen to our calendar? You know, as superintendents, we've struggled with the calendar law since it was changed in 2004. It seems to me to be a perfect opportunity now to experiment with changing some of these things. And I know that school is important, not just from the instructional aspect, but we're learning that it's important to families for child childcare, so they send their children to school from eight to three while they go to their jobs and work. There are a lot of questions and a lot of things that this pandemic has brought to surface that will need some deep reflection and deep consideration from us and from policymakers and from all other stakeholders, including parents, again, as we emerge on the other side of this. Absolutely, and I do think there's an opportunity for process improvement as ed leaders. We look for opportunities to continuously improve, to continuously learn, to continuously grow. One of the things that we're really thinking about here in Edenton, we are, like Greene County, in an area that gets impacted by hurricanes. And so we'll miss days of school due to hurricanes. We'll miss days of school due to winter weather. And so we've not been able to in the past, or perhaps the best way to say it is we've not thought we were able to use remote learning days because as a rural county, we've been worried about internet access for our students. And we've had to work through that and figure that out. And some of that is through making paper packets available. And some of that's through working with park and learn opportunities, using some Wi-Fi from churches and businesses and the schools in the parking lots. And then, of course, looking at hotspots as well. And so one takeaway from us is how can we use what we've learned for winter weather days or hurricane days. And so we're, we're thinking about whether or not that may work. Have you used remote learning days in the past for weather days, or is that something you may do in the future, Patrick? We have not used them in the past, and that gives me an opportunity to bring up internet access. That's right. You know, I believe internet is a utility just like water, gas, electricity.
electricity. And if you remember when we started, well, you don't remember, neither do I, but electricity, when it was being brought from house to house or water, it took a lot of effort on the part of governments and localities and whomever else to make these utilities the norm for every single household in America. And we need to treat internet access as the next of these things that are to be considered basic for all citizens in this state and nation. I think we've got to concentrate all across this state to make sure that we can make internet access available to all citizens. And I think that that's the last great barrier that we have discovered to making remote access a real possibility is just simply the inequity of access. Businesses and churches and even several volunteer fire departments in Greene County have dropped their password and made their internet available to students. They can drive up in the parking lots and access the internet, but that is still a barrier for those who can't get internet at home. And even for those who have the means uh, to provide it, if it's not available at their house, for example, we're going to have a Board of Education meeting in Greene County tonight and at least four of my members do not have reliable internet access at their house. So they're coming to a school to take advantage of the school's internet. And so I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to say that we have got to focus on this infrastructure issue, and that is internet access, making it available to everyone. You're right on the money, and that's something that absolutely jives with our experience here in Edenton, Chowan. We have in the northern part of our county, it doesn't matter how affluent you are, there's just not high quality internet access available. And so earlier this week, we had our monthly board of education meeting. And like you, we had three board members who did not have internet access or not at least substantial enough to be able to interact with the rest of the board of education members. And so we did have to set up opportunity at the middle school using social distancing for them to come in and be able to use the internet. And so I agree with you. In 2020, internet access and access to high quality internet is something we have to have across the country in rural areas throughout. It is something that is necessary for life in 2020. And it's more than just being able to educate students when we're closed. It's the opportunity for citizens to work from home and for rural areas. If that becomes a reality, it potentially could help with economic development and with actually attracting new citizens to a rural county if they know that they can work and have high quality internet access available to them. That certainly could help us with economic development in a rural county. Absolutely. Well, Patrick, as you think about, and I appreciate you mentioning the tornado that you worked through and did so masterfully, and now with this current pandemic, as you think about that, you had the opportunity to address ed leaders, be they teachers and school administrators, superintendents, et cetera, and just talk to them about facing a moment of crisis. What is the really the mindset that they need to have in terms of being ready to lead an organization, being ready to lead a school system, a school, a classroom? What advice would you give to current ed leaders and maybe those who might aspire to leadership in education? The biggest piece of advice I think I would want to convey is that you as superintendent 
not have to have all the answers. And this is an opportunity for me to tout the importance of a professional network and building a network of people and colleagues that you can call on who have experience and are located across the state and may be able to answer questions that you might perhaps not want to ask someone in within your district. I think everybody across the state of North Carolina is going through this for the first time and it is extremely valuable to hear from our colleagues just like you and I did this morning on the call at 7:30. I think it is imperative that we continue the superintendent association's call twice a week and then the call with superintendents and DPI once a week and then all the communication electronically that occurs in between those Zoom meetings or go-to meetings. And so again, I just can't stress enough, you are not alone. Reach out through the association and talk to your colleagues and together many heads have better ideas than just one. And that is just one piece of advice I can impart onto my colleagues and then I humbly offer that. It may very well be the best piece of advice anyone could offer to someone. Patrick, I am this month moving into my seventh year as superintendent. And one of the things that I'm extremely grateful for in terms of being able to serve for that length of time is for all of those who've helped me continue to grow as an educator, to grow as a learner, to grow as a leader. And one of those very influential people for me has been you. We didn't know each other before I became a superintendent, but in my first superintendent's meeting, you were one of the first to come up to me and introduce yourself and really develop a friendship. And I very much appreciated that. And then through our state association, we have professional development each year called the Next Generation Superintendent Development Program. And in that program, the association director who runs the program, Jack Hope, had the foresight to put in place a system of thought partners who are really mentors and thought leaders. And as we go through that professional development, there's time in the day for us to sit down with our thought partners. And you have been my thought partner for years. And I very much appreciate that. And I appreciate how much time you put into the development of leaders, even those beyond Greene County. What is it that motivates you to do that, Patrick, to really be involved in the early lives of leaders? There's a couple of things. And thank you for your kind words, Dr. Jackson. I appreciate that. But I remember when I first walked into the superintendent's quarterly meeting as a brand new superintendent early in 2008 and how overwhelmed I was and how some of the people, and do air quotes again, that I saw as giants in the room took me under their wing and mentored me. And so I feel like those acts of kindness and support need to be paid forward. And so that's part of my motivation. But then another part of my motivation is selfish because in interacting with the newer superintendents, I learned so much more from them than I ever would if I were going through the program next generation again myself. But it also allows me, in addition to learning from them, it still allows me to practice what I preach about expanding my professional network. Because if I sat static, as much turnover as there are amongst the superintendents in North Carolina, there are very few that I would know. So another part of the reason that I enjoy interacting with them as a thought partner is just to get the know the new one so that when I need to call, and very often I do, I'll have some people that I can rely on and know to call. Patrick, I'm just so proud that you are our state superintendent of the year and that you have the opportunity to be in conversations with our State Board of Education. 
Foundation and so many other committees and boards and all of the work you do beyond your leadership in Greene County Schools as a representative of our superintendents. I'm just very appreciative that you're at the table knowing that you're representing us with such dignity and class and such a humbleness of spirit. And I think that means something as well. And, you know, you and I both are currently the stewards of an opportunity. We've been given this opportunity to serve as superintendents in amazing school districts. And at some point that season will come to an end and we will pass along the opportunity to our successor, whoever that may be, understanding that we have stood on shoulders of giants and have that obligation to pay it forward. And clearly, my friend, you are doing that. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. I appreciate your time today sitting down with me virtually. We are practicing social distancing. We are miles and miles and miles and miles apart. But still, I know that anytime I need somebody to think with, I can pick up my phone and you're going to answer. And certainly I would always do that for you. And so Patrick Miller, we appreciate you in this state. We appreciate your leadership. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Rob. And give Renee my best. Absolutely. And the same to your beautiful wife and your family, my friend. Best wishes, fair winds, following seas. Take care. Thanks, Rob. I hope that you enjoyed our time together with North Carolina Superintendent of the Year, Dr. Patrick Miller. I appreciated his sage advice and wise counsel on leading through a crisis and truly appreciate his commitment to assisting and growing ed leaders. Remember, if you have a topic that you would like to hear more about or an ed leader you would like to hear from, drop me a line via social media or email. You will find my contact information at drrobjackson.com. Again, Thank you for spending time with me today, and thank you for all that you do for every student, every teacher, and every staff member. You are making a difference. If no one else has told you, I want you to know that I believe in you. Good day. Thank you for listening to the Ed Leader Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts so that we may continue to grow the Ed Leader community. We hope that you have enjoyed your time with Dr. Jackson. Until next time.